Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mango Talks TV. I am Lee. I am here. I am joined by Spencer. Spencer, say hey to the people. Hey, everybody. Spencer, we are grinding our way through Mandalorian Season 2. I'm so excited to be in Season 2 with you. As said, I am caught up on Season 2, and I think it is killing it. I think it's a really, really solid season so far of television. But our recap, our review podcast is on Episode 2 of Season 2 titled The Passenger. Spencer, what did you think? I think it was a solid episode. I think I'm I'm I think I'm episode four this season. I think I'm one behind right now because we're recording on a Friday. But I think I think this is probably the weakest of the episodes we have so far this season. It's still a solid episode. It's still perfectly enjoyable. But I struggle to say much about it because it's an episode that seemed to focus much more on action rather than necessarily plot development or characters. As much as Frog Lady ended up being very entertaining, and we got to see a far darker side of Baby Yoda. Agreed. Uh, you're hitting the two main points right off the right off Jump Street, Spencer. So you, <laughs> no Barry in the lead here. We're we're going right into it about what was interesting in this episode. Yeah, it was a transition episode. I would say it was a weaker episode. But what's so great about this show is when you do have an episode that's quote weaker or one that really doesn't tie into the through line plot of Baby Yoda get Baby Yoda to safety, you know, give some level of stability to Mando. Um, that when you're not addressing those three lines and it's really just compact and dealing with a particular situation, it's still very, very entertaining television. Absolutely. We've seen before in Game of Thrones that a proper transition episode could often be not always the most pleasant of a watch. Here, at least, an episode that is literally named The Passenger, a bit of a hint, it's going to be a transition episode, still makes for an enjoyable way to spend 35, 40 minutes of time completely agree we're on the same page there and you mentioned game of thrones and spencer this is going to stun you but our game of thrones review podcast got questions podcast on mangotalks.com still has a lot of listeners <laughs> so um in our normal uh section of the pod where we we plug other pods or other projects that we're doing i want to plug the got questions podcast spencer and i spent a few years reviewing uh game of thrones we did season seven season eight we did a little bit of season one uh, we did some specialty episodes here and there where we reviewed clips, where we reviewed um, the concert. I reviewed the concert. We did a bunch of different fun stuff with the Game of Thrones television show. If you're still into that show, if you're doing rewatches, go check our pod out. It's still out there. Spencer, anything you want to plug as far as Mangum Reads goes? Yeah, in, ter- in terms of plugging the GOT Got Question podcast, I would say that in the event that George R. Barton ever comes out with a next book, we are doing a dedicated you and I episode of Mangum Reads to discuss that thing. Uh, we're probably going to do a series, I would yes, imagine. Yeah, Let's I would do imagine chapter by chapter through the damn thing. Yeah, we probably will. Uh, well, we, there's going to be a lot of content if and when we ever get new Game of Thrones content on the GOT Guy Questions podcast feed because we named it the GOT Guy Questions podcast feed Game of Thrones, but it really is a podcast feed for the greater A Song of Ice and Fire community. I'm glad that people are still seeing that podcast, still yeah. out there checking it out. Um, it's, it's lying low right now, but... It could come back to your point, Spencer, if we ever get new content. Yeah, and the the event that the uh, uh, Game of Thrones convention goes forward next year, I would be happy to do you know a live review or a live talk throughout all of that in terms of the podcast. As you said, this is a podcast dedica- dedicated to the community, dedicated to the universe, and there's still a lot to be found out there, and there's clearly still a lot of excitement in it, as much as some of the aspects of the most recent season put a brief eh, diminishment in that kind of you know exuberance on it. But yeah, and we did do a we did do a review podcast of the last 
um, Con of Thrones, which is the biggest you know, convention for Game of Thrones fans in the world. And we actually did a live review podcast of that one in 2019. So you can go check that out if you uh, are interested. In terms of Mangum Reads proper, we are doing what we off, so often enjoy in terms of going through a collection of short stories, This the uh, Forward collection that came out on Amazon for Amazon Prime users. We're qu- quite enjoying going through that, and it's also encouraged us to do a different uh, short story compilation come next time, probably going through, for the first time ever, a collection of mysteries and thrillers. We'll get, more, we'll get more details on that, but Agatha Christie has always inspired all of us in terms of the literature we enjoy in that category, and her awards might be a good way to do it. But we'll let you know once we get that finalized. Very cool. And also, we have resuscitated the Mangum Laughs podcast. That's a review podcast of stand-up comedy that me and my good buddy BJ, that is your co-host on Mangum Reads, do. Um, we recently did a review of uh, Kevin Hart's new Netflix special, Zero Fucks Given. So go check that out. It's already posted. Let's jump into our review of The Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 2. We call I call it Season 2, Episode 2, but I think the show really is counting them sequentially from Season 1 through, so it would be Season 2, but Episode 10, this is titled The Passenger. We start with a recap, and then we get to um, best line of the episode and nostalgic moment of the episode. Spencer, do you have something that I did yeah. wrong? No, no, you're doing great. It's it's a good point to highlight. But I do enjoy that it's an ongoing series of chapters because I think that is very much in keeping with what Star Wars has always done. Where the series started at Star Wars, Episode 4. Yeah. (laughs) We started as part of an ongoing saga. These kind of building narrative, expanding out throughout all the universities, what Star Wars is built on. So I like this kind of idea that, no, 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 these aren't really separate seasons. This is the saga of the Mandalorian. We are going to follow it through each of its moments through what may eventually be an end or may eventually be some kind of new, the journey continues as we expand into other areas. But yeah. When I'm post, when I'm posting the pods, I am doing like not saying season two, episode two, I'm saying like episode 10. So I'll, maybe I'll just refer to it that way when we're doing the pods. Uh, Spencer, do you want to start out with the recap? Let's go. All right. We start with Mando traveling back to the mechanic shop on Tatooine. Uh, this is after killing the greater crate dragon with uh, Sheriff uh, Seth Bullock. And Baby Yoda enjoying a ride, wind in the ears. Baby Absolutely. Yoda loves a good ride, having a, having a good time. And some bounty hunters, um, it looks like some bounty hunters have set up a tripwire, and it flings Mando off the bike, along with Baby Yoda. Gasp! Ah, Baby Yoda took a fall, and Mando is able to ease his landing with the jetpack. I thought that was a pretty cool effect because Mando goes like flying in the air. He trips his jetpack, gets his stability, and, and pretty much lands on his feet. And it's immediately clear uh, as this like hand-to-hand combat ensues that Mando is better than these fools that are that are that are attacking him. It doesn't look like a very serious threat to Mando. Yeah, I think they were really hoping that this kind of clothesline they were built up would just kill him. That either it would hit him directly or that he would die in the crash of his bike, which is a perfectly reasonable expectation at the speeds that he was traveling at, but they just don't know Mando. Like you, though, I was really scared for Baby Yoda when it came to that fall. That was a nasty spill. Got a theory on that fall. For, for I, supported cushion? Exactly. Yep, I do think that happened because it looks like he's no worse for wear. It doesn't even look like he has a scratch on him. That's one of two things. It's either lazy from the show, mm-hmm. which I – the show at this point has – I have enough faith in it. I don't assume lazy. So I'm going to assume that he used a little force cushion. That is my personal fan theory, because otherwise they were going really damn fast. Oh, he would have been hurt, no doubt. Like, and that's that. And, and what's interesting to me is that 
they, they, they take great pains to show that Mando needed to use his jetpack in order for him to not get hurt. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the same thing applies to Baby Yoda. So, in my mind, going forward, unless something, somebody proves different, Force Cushion. The most common initial use of Force powers is instinctual protection. So I'm perfectly willing to believe that Baby Yoda keeps a constant little bubble of Force energy around himself to protect himself in these kind of events. Yep, as the in-hand combat ensues, uh, Mando's getting the better of these guys, but it's just taking a little while because it's a lot of them. One of them appears to be really, really shorter. Spencer, is that a Jawa bounty hunter? Or is this just a local Jawa working with the bounty hunters? I don't know. I don't even know necessarily whether these guys... I don't know who these guys are after or what they're after. Because in the end, this little, I guess, Jawa... Doesn't it, isn't trying to fight for the baby or whatever else. He just accepts part of Mando's gear. So are these guys just trying to, you know, loot Mandalorian Beskar? Or is they just accepting, you know, a, a consolation gift now that he knows he's kind of screwed? I'm assuming that the, the, the main characters here who are attacking Mando are bounty hunters who came to Tatooine because they have the tracking device leading them to Baby Yoda. Mm-hmm. But they're using a local Jawa for help. That, that's my guess. Perfect. But I, I mean, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Um, the Jawa does, as Mando's beating the hell out of these, I'm going to call them bounty hunters or just who, whoever has attacked him. The Jawa does grab Baby Yoda and puts a knife to his neck. How dare you, sir? And Mando <laughs> says, your fate. how dare you? And uh, uh, Mando looks to this Jawa and says, wait, don't hurt the child. If you put one mark on him, there's no place you will ever be able to hide from me. Woo! True. Says that they can strike a bargain. Jawa can salvage anything from the wreckage. Says the wreckage must be worth a lot of money. Jawa looks at the wreckage, not too interested. Does seem interested in the jetpack that Mando has. And Mando, shockingly enough in the moment, appears to give it to him. Jawa then, the Jawa then puts Baby Yoda down. The Jawa walks off and as Mando checks with Baby Yoda. Uh, to make sure he's okay. Baby Yoda looks okay. No worse for wear. We get a Mando, Baby Yoda hug. We get another Baby Yoda hug. Baby Yoda runs. hug. Baby Yoda does give a hug. He was a little scared. It's a scary moment, Spencer. But Very scary moment. He's okay. Uh, gives him a hug. And then Mando triggers the jetpack, sending the Jawa way up into the air. Uh, then um, turns it off, which causes the Jawa to just drop uh, probably three, four stories, uh, killing him immediately. Baby Yoda seems to get a kick out of that little trick and um, all around an impressive display for Mando here. Starting a run of events during the course of this episode that maybe suggests that Mando is not necessarily the best influence on Baby Yoda's development. He's seemingly starting to enjoy the violence and the death and the destruction. But again, impressive sequence for Mando. Mando dispatches this threat pretty quickly and easily. Absolutely. Particularly given how surprised he was at the start of things. He rapidly got back in command of the situation. Indeed, we cut to Mando walking. Tough damn walk here. God damn, Spencer. This looks really hard. All the armor he's wearing, which is not... I mean, Veskar's light, but it's still a lot of armor. And he's got, you know, a lot of things that... um, You know, the blaster holders, blasters, you know, these types of things. Like, it's a a lot that he's carrying. Plus Baby Yoda. Plus this big piece of crate Dragon Tenderloin meat. Yeah. And he's walking through the desert, like... He must have been close when this happened because you he's not going to... I mean, Mando's a tough MFer, but he's not going to be able to do this for that long. No, I fully believe this was close. If for no other reason, that the bounty hunters wouldn't want to go out into the middle of nowhere. Probably were within, you know, maybe not spitting distance, easy walking distance to Mos Eisley. Regardless, though, Mando, take a hint from the, te- from the, Tus- from the, tu- the Tuscan people. 
wait till evening or something. There are two suns on this planet. Dear God, how hot is it in that armor? Oh, man, it looked like a really, really tough ask for Mando there. But um, he does, and he arrives at uh, Mos Eisley. He walks into Mos Eisley right around nightfall and into a cantina where he finds Amy Sedaris, who is playing cards with some sort of bug alien creature. Mm-hmm. Maybe we shouldn't even, Spencer, maybe we shouldn't call them aliens. Maybe we should just call them a bug species because, like, alien, like, assumes that, like, we're taking the perspective of Earth. And I don't think that's really fair in the Star Wars universe. You know, it's one of those things where he's literally named, apparently, Dr. Mandible. So, I don't think they're giving us much here, but bug alien. I'm going to say bug creature. Amy sure. Sedaris is a darn good friend, though. Um, because she makes no mention of Mando destroying her fucking speeder bike. I, great friend here. I, and Spencer, I'm a little perplexed at how, why she's so close with Mando. Do you think it's because she has that connection with Baby Yoda? I think it's just because you have the connection with Baby Yoda, and Mando does pay his bills and debts. <laughs> starting here in this scene of when... Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, starting here in the scene of where I, she's not begrudging him for the loss of the speeder bike, if she even really... Does she, does she comment on it? I can't remember if she comments on it. She doesn't comment on it. Yeah. And that's why I made the mention that she's such a good friend. Like, it just, you know, what we have seen in the Star Wars universe, when you have one of these, like, mechanics or somebody who owns, like, a small right. business, you know, in one of these towns, especially, like, in Tatooine, they're usually very, very focused on money, right? Like, True. that's, like, the first thing they think is, like, whoa, what happened to my speeder bike? The fact that she didn't have that reflex... Um, made me really like the character, you know, and I already did like the character, but also just make me think like, I think Mando's got a really, really good contact and good friend there. And that, I don't, this is not a spoiler. I'm just speculating. That may come up later. He may, he may, you know, leverage that again later in the, in oh, the yeah. series. He's built, he's built a close collection of friends. And as she says later, she's an excellent judge of character. Once she's mm. decided that she trusts him, she trusts him. Of course, He's a guy who's willing to drop $500 on a card game, right? Or 500 credits on a card game right now. So that's mm-hmm. also a good person to know. Yeah, I might as well go with the forward with the, um, the recap here. Uh, Mando explains that he found the Boba Fett's armor, the Mandalorian armor that he's carrying. And he bought it off some non-Mandalorian by killing a great dragon. Amy Sedaris goes, well, is that all? <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's a Tuesday. Yeah, way to brag. Um, she says that Dr. Mandible, the bug creature, can connect Mando with someone who can help him if Mando covers his bet that round. Apparently, the bet is 500. That's now, a that's lot a lot. Of money. That's, a, that's lot. a lot of money. But, Spencer, do we, are we assuming here that these are New Republic credits? I, I'm guessing they're New Republic credits, yes. Where do you get them? Where do you get them from then? I don't know. I was going to ask you, why is Mando suddenly so loaded? Did he, get, did he accept like a large payment when he left um, Apollo Creed in the, la- in the last season? Or maybe, you know, he ended up getting some sort of payment from, um, you know, that mining town um, it's, and, it's, and Dr. Or Sheriff Seth, Seth Bullock. It's possible, but we we don't normally see him this loaded. Normally, he's mm-hmm. just kind of scraping by. And it's notable that he, at several scenes over the course of the next couple episodes, has money to throw around. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Mando covers the bat. Um, Dr. Mandible loses. Amy Sedaris rejoices. Uh Mando was like, I thought you said, I thought you said Dr. Mandible was on a hot streak. And she's like, quit your wine. And uh, we cut right to Dr. Mandible telling Mando that he can find a connection to some other Mandalorians at the hangar. Uh, they go to take off or some other, um, some other planet, right? Yeah, that there is at a the lead. hangar. Go to the hangar. 
you get the more you get the more information there. Somebody will contact you. Right. That yeah. So the the Mandalorians aren't there, but the lead to the Mandalorians is at the hangar, and they take off. And Amy Sedaris asks Mando if he took any of that dragon meat. They are going to feast tonight, my friend. Cooking it in the engines as it turns in a spit. Man, does that meat look good? Does it that look like you want to cut a slice off that? Oh, so good. A fucking piece of tenderloin the size of, you know, four legs. Like, it looks great. Back at the shop, a droid is spit cooking the piece of uh, the dragon tenderloin, which you referenced, and it looks darn good. Amy Sedaris explains that there's a contact with Mandalorians within this sector, and she's going to set Mando up with that contact who will help. Mando wants to know if they are the same Mandalorians that left Navarro. Amy Sitters does not seem to know. So her, I thought that was an interesting uh, tidbit here. She's not really aware of everything that happened in Navarro. So she might not even be aware that Mando is on the outs with the bounty hunter guild. Yeah. Why would he know? Why would she know that? Um, I don't know. It seems like everybody knows it, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> she, just stays, she stays in her shop. She doesn't mind other people's business. Yep. Mando asks how much it's going to cost him, and she says it's free. He just has to give the contact passage. The trick is he can't use hyperspeed, which this baffles um, and frustrates Mando, which rightfully so. Amy Sedaris repeatedly vouches for the contact, and the contact comes around the corner, and it is, ladies and gentlemen, from this corner, Wayne, eh, probably a buck twenty, looking <laughs> like a frog that you would see anywhere else, but sweet as can possibly be mm-hmm. we get the new character frog lady spencer what'd you think of frog lady i got very fond of frog lady very quickly despite the fact i don't believe she's an existing species in the lore i've not yep. seen frog people and i couldn't find anything very quickly and i don't think we ever get her name i don't think anybody ever asks it is frog lady ladies and gentlemen <clears throat> i think we are meant to assume that there are very few remaining um part people in her species and that's yes. why these eggs are so important i mean she there's multiple references that like it's the end of her line so i i think it's a it's a very rare species i think that's what we're meant to assume but i like you immediately developed a fondness for frog lady i love me some frog lady and i that creates some cognitive dissonance with a few scenes later in this episode yeah. <laughs> for me <laughs> and it, like you said from what we hear we hear her say that my husband has found the only planet in the galaxy where we can be safe and raise our children. Yep. That, that strongly suggests they don't have a home world anymore. Yep. The, if, if literally tr- the planet Trask, which doesn't appear to really be a home world for anybody, it's just from various other moon, aquatic right? species go it's there. A moon. Yeah, it's a yeah. Moon. Um, That strongly suggests there is a dark backstory involving frog people in some way. Maybe some, you know, galactic French people found them, God help them, but it apparently is... A circumstance of where they are just kind of roaming the cosmos looking for some place to call home. So these two may be like among the few that are still out there, but which is rather dark. And at least in the short term, her story doesn't get any more pleasant when she when she teams up with Mando. I also I assume that they have some level of persecution against their species where um, because that that because she does say that this is the only place that we can go. I'm um, perfectly willing it, to believe the Empire discriminated against the frog people species. Yeah, but anyway, I do love me some frogly. She says her husband has settled on the estuary moon of Traskin, the system of the gas giant Cole Ebon. I uh, don't know much about that, that I, system. I, I think it's just created for the show. I don't, I've never heard of it before, and I couldn't find much about it. Me either. Amanda wants to know if she's sure Mandalorians are there. Amy Sedaris, Amy Sedaris translates in a very funky language, and Frog Lady says her husband has 
seeing them there. They, she, her husband has put eyes on Mandalorians that are Artraskin. Apparently, the frog is one language that Mando has not learned before coming to Bounder. He <laughs> seems to know every fucking language. He knows a cursory amount of every fucking language except frog. Give him a month. He'll work it out. I believe in this man. He's one hell of a polyglot. Yeah, he's uh, he's like the Pete Buttigieg of the Star Wars universe. <laughs> he, give, him a, give him a little while. He's going to know that language. Well, it, this scene was starting to confuse me at first because this was not um, Amy Sedaris's information. But she's acting like she knows this person really well. And it's like she's the one that's broaching the contact. So I was like, is she just obviously screwing you over out of 500 credits? Did she like, this was her info, but she just wanted you to drop the bet so she could get the money? But before we're done, we get an explanation of how, what's going on here. No, I think, uh, well, yeah, go ahead and explain that. Um, but I, I actually think that Amy Sedaris, when she says I'm a good judge of character, I think there's like, she's telling like 60% truth there. Yeah. And I think that like Frog Lady... It's just somebody that if you have a very brief conversation, you're going to know is good-hearted. Right. I'm, I'm willing to believe that Mando showed up a little bit late or took some time getting here, and Sammy Sedaris had a, a moment to talk with her, maybe, vi- and so over that moment, bonded with her. In her own description, Mando asked, you know, wait, do you know her? Like, no, I met her 10 minutes before you walked in. I thought you said you vouched for her on your life. What can I say? I'm an excellent judge of character. I, I, I think that she is being per- perfectly honest in that scene, but like yep. you, if you spend a little time with Frog Lady, you're not going to believe for an instant there any degree of hidden agenda going on there. No, Frog Lady is good fucking people. Love me some Frog Lady. On the ship, Mando is giving Frog Lady the safety briefing. Um, you know, the in the event of a uh, emergency, you're going to have the gas, <laughs> the oxygen tank uh, drop from the ceiling. Um, your exits are on the left and right. Uh, we'll be coming through with a refreshment cart here in a few minutes. Uh, we do serve nuts if you have an allergy, that sort of thing. And Mando says he can't speak her language, but he does try Huttese, which I thought was interesting. Huttese, Spencer, I believe, is the uh, native language of the Huts. Am I correct in that? It, it is, and it is often used as like a trade language throughout the Outer Rim. So it would make perfect sense that he would try that. Even if it's interesting, he's kind of stilting with it. This is clearly not one of his languages he's most fluent in. Right. Meanwhile, Baby Yoda is approaching the eggs, and every time he approaches the eggs, we get like the Stranger Thing-esque music that starts playing. Yeah. And I thought initially, and I'm an idiot for this, but I thought initially he was fascinated them with them in a sort of like, meta cosmic like force type way that is not it at all (laughs) that is not it at all we get the reason here um we get the reason here immediately which is uh mando goes back to because we after we see baby yoda look at the eggs the stranger thing music plays we cut back to mando he goes to the back to check on baby yoda and the tank is open, and Baby Yoda is trying to eat himself some frog lady eggs. Trying? Succeeding, sir. The first of many eggs goes down Baby Baby Yoda's gullet in the course of this episode. And that's, like, they're playing it off for laughs to a certain degree, but that's really dark. These are children. Baby Yoda is just casually slurping. Well, Spencer, we're going to get into a, like, a life, when does life begin uh, argument here because these are unfertilized eggs, my friend. These I do are... not believe they are her children. Okay, they may not meet a legal definition, but it's all they have, sir. If yeah, these, these were are all... unfertilized eggs, this is your morning omelet, Spencer. Okay, but if it's my morning omelet, if they're my eggs, if they're the only hope for my line, 
I'm going to be more than mildly annoyed if a fellow passenger on this vessel is slurping them like spaghetti. Agreed. I'm not sure Frog Lady ever knows that Baby Yoda does this, which becomes important in a later episode. But I, I'm going to stick up for Baby Yoda here. These are unfertilized eggs. They are not. There's no life associated with them yet. He is absolutely within his rights to eat them, except that they're not his to eat. But it, whatever. He's Baby Yoda. Uh, it, but I, you know, the internet started to call Baby Yoda like maybe a little bit dark, or maybe uh, <laughs> turned, they turned they on throwing him around quick. the word monster. Uh, I don't think he's a monster for eating unfertilized eggs. No, I think this is further proof, and we get some scenes in later episodes. This is still a baby. As much as you want to assign, you know, empathetic will and whatever else. This is still very much a child that is working on somewhat selfish goals and a limited understanding of the environment. He sees tasty thing, he eats tasty thing. I think by a course of like an episode or two from now, he would not have done that because he's bonded with Frog Lady and understands how much they matter to him. From his perspective right now, she just brought lunch on the plane. Yep. Uh, Mando puts Baby Yoda away and they both go to sleep into a little chamber, a little little compartment that Mando has on the Razor's Crest. One detail I like about the show, Spencer, and it's very similar to another detail we've talked about previously, which is, you know, they, they take great pains to show Mando struggles with how much money he has. They also show him requiring sleep. Yes. I think these two things are related in that they show the logistics of what Mando's dealing with here. Like, hey, look, sometimes he's broke. And hey, look, sometimes he needs a nap. Like... And they show that a lot, like when he needs to sleep, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, and they then proceed to sleep for the several years necessary to travel at sublight speeds to the nearest solar system. I know Star Wars is low in the Mohs scale of science fiction hardness, but I'll be honest, this annoyed me a little bit. Closest yeah, solar system to us is four and a half light years away. It, it, they're not even saying it's like the other sun in, ta- in the, the tattoo system. Not saying it's another planet in the tattoo system. It's another sector, and he's just cruising there. There's other ways they could have done this plot. This annoys me a little bit. Even though I know Star Wars is a space opera, we're not supposed to pay attention to the little details of how science works. This is your Star Trek coming out in you, because I don't. This is my I Star Trek. I don't follow Star Trek at all. I don't. I couldn't even tell you a darn thing about Star Trek. I've never, never so much seen one episode of the television show or one movie. Um. This did not occur to me that this was a problem. Um, <laughs> and I, 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 I'm, I quite honestly, am a little bit exhausted with, with how you're frustrated with it. Not, not that you're telling me that your point, your point is interesting and, and a good one. I'm just saying if I had your mentality, it seems exhausting. That's what it, I'm talking it, about. It is. And I, I, I had to force myself out of it. I think I would have liked it better if we used the interdictor technology. We know the new Republic has to like, set up what now happens in the plot. He's going through hyperspace and he's stopped by an interdictor well, by a gravity well. And then we get our next scene of where two outlying marshals confront him about that he has a tail light off. Yeah. Mando wakes up and the ship sensors are going off. Mando bolts back up to the cockpit and he's getting an incoming message from two X-wings that have drifted up, drifted up next to him. And they ask him about not having a beacon. And he says he's pre-Empire, surplus, and he's not required to have one. <laughs> a lot of bullshit he starts throwing out. Complete out bullshit. Pre-Empire surplus, not required to have one. They say, well, that was before, but this sector is now under the New Republic jurisdiction, and all crafts are required to send a beacon. They appear to be leaving, and Mando hits the, may the force be with you. Interesting to me that he knows that saying. It is interesting. Given that he doesn't really have much knowledge of the force, it really does show that this is the kind of expression, like, you know, God, goodbye originally being God be with you. 
They, everyone just kind of throws it out as a pleasant offering that you say to New Republic people because you know that it's what they want to hear. I don't think it's a... No, no, I, I disagree with that okay. just, a, just a little bit in that I think it's a, a branding thing that the New Republic has. I think it's a New Republic branding thing. I think it's almost like um, you know, if you were in an Islamic country and you'd say, Assalamu alaikum, like that, that's become ubiquitous. It's a branding thing about that culture. I actually and I think it's that's a good point. Yeah, I think it's something that the New Republic brings with it. Um, but, it, you know, as far as what they're actually saying, I think it is, it's, it, it's related to like someone like me saying Aslam Lakum. I don't even know what Aslam Lakum. I think it says, "May God be with you." Some. I know that's what I'm supposed to say. Right. I don't really know what it means. I think in the same vein, Mando knows that's what he's supposed to say to people who were in the New Republic, but he doesn't obviously doesn't really know what the Force exactly. is because when Baby Yoda used the Force, he was completely knocked off his rocker. Right. I very much agree. This is a win in Rome, do as the Romans do kind of moment. That it's only polite that you greet them within their customary thing, particularly when he's really wanting them to leave him alone right now. Unfortunately, these guys are competent police officers and they decide to run his plates before they leave. Yep, absolutely. Um, before leaving, they ask Mando to send them a ping. Mando tries to shrug it off, saying, ah, I can't really do it right now. My thing is acting up. And they insist. And Mando says, well, look, I, I really don't have that hardware online. I can't do it. They say, okay, well, I need you to do it. You can't do it. We're going to take you in because we can't verify that you're not Imperial uh, unless you send us the ping. Um, Spencer, do you understand this? I I, I'm a little confused by what they're they're asking him to do and, and the, the reasoning why. Essentially, they're trying to check his transponder so that they can see whether his ship has showed up on any other existing criminal contacts or whatever else. The Imperial thing is obviously just cover. It's the old, I, hey, I spelled pot in your car, you'll mind if I check kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's very much that. <laughs> Uh, um, I even love their line of where Mando says, I'm struggling to, you know, find the button and turn it on. I love their just cold line of, we'll wait. It's like, we're in space, dude. Where are you going to go? Yeah, we're we're not going to leave. Clearly they're like, this is a little bit suspicious. Who the hell is going on sublight speeds across the sector? How about you just send us a ping so we can check your plates and check your license and see if anything's going on. And eventually he does, knowing he's one and truly fucked. And they promptly ask him, Hey, were you recently involved in attacking a New Republic prison ship? Mm-hmm. And he's like, Oh, uh, no, totally. That was a different unregistered craft that exactly matches mine. Yeah, and Spencer, once, yes, that's a great explanation about what's actually going on here from a logistics standpoint. But one small tangent the New Republic here seems to have considerable reach during this time. This is five, roughly five years after the end of Return of the Jedi. I mean, to the point that, like, They've got like X-wings that are like cruising in this in this sector that are able to pick up the ship and ask him questions. I mean, like they have reach. Yeah. How do their numbers dwindle to like roughly a couple hundred ships between mm. this period and the start of the Last Jedi? And you probably don't have an answer to that. I don't either. And it seems like something uh, a, a detail that it, you know they really could uh, and should take some pains to detail in the books. Mm-hmm. The only explanation we get in the new movies is that apparently the entirety of the New Republic fleet was based in a single system, which is dumb, which is so dumb. That one system that they blow up with the new super de duper Star Destroyers. Like, no, as shown here, they would have outlying uh, picket fleets, outer rim fleets, sector control fleets everywhere. That was the problem for the Empire was that they couldn't concentrate because they'd lose control. 
the New Republic is ex, you know asserting its new influence as the galactic controlling body by sending out. I mean, I'm perfectly X-wings have hyperdrive. They could be operating fairly far from a base, but I'm perfectly would believe that these guys are operating from a Nebulon B frigate that is based and traveling around in these entire outer sector or a local system base on a moon or a planet. And, but they're able to roam farther out. These are outlying marshals that are now exerting influence in this outer rim sector. And that makes sense in a way that the whole idea that, oh, the entire fleet blew up in a single gesture never did to me. Yep, Mando flips some switch on. That doesn't seem to be what they're looking for. <clears throat> the X-Wings go into the attack position and ask him if the ship was near the New Republic Correctional Center. Both them fight. Apparently, they ran a scan on the ship. They found out Mando was part of the jailbreak from Season 1. Mando takes off. We have a runner. I go very quickly through that because I wanted to get to one small detail here. The actor who is in the X-Wing <laughs> is our very own Appa from our favorite convenience store in Canada from the probably the most feel-good show uh, that I have watched in the last yep. couple of years, Kim's Convenience. Spencer, what a cast. What a casting decision. I love that we got this moment, because it means so much between you and I, too, because you introduced me to this show when you first showed me Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. this, is a, this is a perfect Mandalorian show for us, because we would switch between episodes. We'd watch an episode of Mandalorian, and we'd watch Kim's Convenience, because, as you said, if there is ever a show to detox from whatever is going on in your life, it is Kim's Convenience. It is so feel good. It is so fun. It is so well acted. And the actor who plays Appa, which I think it here is Paul Sun Hyung Lee, is great in the role of, of Appa on that show. And he's great. He's really he's really fun here too. And I gotta ask, um, he did a couple interviews after he did this role. Have, have you seen those? No. He did a couple interviews on like the Canadian Broadcasting Company. He's it's a Canadian show, and he's from, he's, he's a Canadian actor. And I had not realized that similar to other actors we've seen, you know, appear on this. He is the most diehard Star Wars fan ever. He makes us look mild in terms of our Star Wars fandom. He um, he knows a member of the production crew, and he heard that she was on the show. He's like, oh, well, let me show you something. And he flipped out his professionally handmade Star Wars cosplay outfits, like a dozen of them that he makes when he goes to conventions. And she looked at him and went, okay, well, we don't even need to apparently put you into costumes, so let's just sign you on for the show now. Yes, that's awesome. Yeah, so we have Appa. Uh, yeah. What a what a what a great casting decision. And spoiler alert, he is in multiple episodes, which I think is really cool. Oh, I'm excited to see that. Uh, Mando descends into a snowy planet, and the X-wings follow. They keep trying to talk him out of the running. But Mando just keeps going. Eventually, he crash lands near a cave, and the X-wings lose visual. Now we have a unprecedented moment in Mangum Talks Television right now, Spencer. Mm -hmm. This has never happened before. Um, write it down in the annals of Mangum Talks TV history. I did my full notes for this show or this episode. Mm -hmm. uh, I did it two parts. I did just the part one. I, I stopped midway through and then I finished my notes. Um, when I saved the my notes for this episode, apparently only the first section of my notes <laughs> saved. So I do not have anything else on the recap for the rest of this episode. The good news is it's a lot of action. There's not a lot to do with the recap. So I'm going to do my very best to do it off the top of my head. And I'm going to need your help more than ever in finishing up this recap because my second part of the episode notes uh, end right here when the X-Wings lose visual after uh, Mando crash lands in the snowy cave. Tw 12 years of knowing you and I still can't fully determine whether you're fucking with me or not about the fact this is just an action-focused back, back half of the episode that we don't take notes during. 
No, I took notes. I, I promise okay. you. I took detailed right. notes, but they, I just lost them. Um, but the fact that I did take detailed notes probably is going to help me with doing this off of the top of my head. But anyway, here's what I remember. Um, so Mando crash lands and he starts looking around trying to figure out, you know, what the hell um, to do with his ship. The, the, the hull is busted, um, you know, into the, like, the main compartment where they all sit. There's a, there's a big hole. And Mando says, all right, well, we can't do anything right now. We're going to we're going to get some sleep. And Frog Lady is very, very unhappy with Mando for this decision. And uh-huh. there's a there's a point where I feel like Mando is being kind of like a jerk where she points to this container that has the eggs in it that clearly is battery powered. And it looks like the battery power is very low. There's like one bar left. But mm-hmm. Mando just kind of dismisses her and tries to sleep. Yeah, frog lady man. keeps trying to talk frog and mando can't understand her he says i don't understand you lady let's whatever it is it can wait till morning Spencer, yeah man i mean two, two things here one th- one thing to reference in the prior scene when they're landing i really enjoyed how differently they portrayed the you know x-wing outlying marshal pilots in that they don't just open fire they actually mm-hmm. tried to talk mando down several times yes yes i like that characterization i like that continuing of the new republic values that they don't want to kill him right now they're kind of sort of confused what the hell is happening themselves and they're just trying to catch him. Uh, I well, like that they don't immediately resort to violence to try to do that. But folks well, they on have thing- a judicial they have a judicial system that they respect and like they that, that would be an extra ju- judicial killing that would need you know um, that would need a lot of uh, justification behind it. In the oh, Empire yeah. in the Empire the, that justification would be very, very small. but here they would want to bring him in and try him for whatever crimes he committed. Um, yeah you know, on the correctional transport Botham five. Yeah, absolutely. They're keeping much more to their new values that the new Republic represents compared to the empire here. So I like that, but for this, for the scene itself on this, on this ice planet, Mando's just really being an asshole for a lot of this. He's being a jerk to frog lady. He should have at least looked at the battery power and piece that together that, you know, this thing needs to be heated to keep these eggs alive Mm -hmm. or, you know, fertile, <clears throat> uh, or, or whatever, whatever it is. Keep, keep them <laughs> They're viable. They're alive, baby. It is killing them. Sorry. Keep them ahead. viable. There we go. I'm going to say viable. Viable's uh, fine. And, and, and her battery is low, but Mando just completely ignores it. And he's well, responsible for this. She's just yeah. an innocent passenger who got caught up in, Ma- in Mando's criminal shit. She... And yeah, go ahead. No, no, that's the point. Yeah, and, and, and she's frustrated by the, the, the language disconnect here. So she looks at the droid Zero. This is the droid that was part of the jailbreak on Botham, uh, Botham 5, the correctional transport on Botham 5, back with my main man, Bill Burr. Mm-hmm. And this is the droid that found Baby Yoda, was looking for Baby Yoda in the Razor's Crest, because he was piloting Razor Crest during the jailbreak, found Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda was just about to force knock him. Before that could happen, Mando shot him in the back. Apparently, he just took that droid and just pushed it up against the wall. Right. And... On his ship, and Frog Lady recognizes this. And while Mando sleeps, Frog Lady really shows her intellect here. Nobody's fool here. Yeah, shows her intellect here and is able to connect, power up Zero, and use, I would think, the the mainframe or the the, the hardware within uh, Zero, which probably has, you know, has been uploaded with tons of different languages, one of them being the frog language that she speaks, and is able to use him as a translator to tell Mando to wake the fuck up. <laughs> I have something to say, sir. Frog Lady proceeds to hit him with a lot of very valid points, oh, she, which are... She browbeats him right here. Yeah, it's like, look, dude, you made a deal. 
I know this, we, we crashed here, that, that sucks, but you made a deal and my eggs are in trouble here. I need you to you know, live up to your side of the deal. Amanda goes, look, this this wasn't part of the deal, this crash landing and all this stuff. And she goes, oh, well, I thought Mandalorians were men of their word. And that was enough for Mando to go, oh, fuck. That triggers Mando and he gets up. And I think he says, That's, this wasn't part of the deal. He says something like, some, some little snide comment to her as he walks off to go try to fix the ship so that they can get out of there. He says the little spoiled teenager thing of where you've clearly lost the conversation, but you want to get the last word in of where <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. It's, it's, it's an immature little moment of where she just hit you on your code, sir. You have no counter argument to that. You swore a deal. You are bound by your word right now, but he's not going to let her have the last word as he walks away. Nope, not at all. And he, he goes outside and he starts to try to fix the ship while baby Yoda goes outside with him. And we proceed to get Baby Yoda being hungry again because we, we, we left it off because unpleasant as it is. Baby Yoda has eaten a lot more eggs as he's been done. Uh, Absolutely, yep. <laughs> but he's still hungry. And so, well, they're going to do a little bit of work on the ship. Um, I think the next thing we really get is while they're doing work on the ship, Mando gets distracted as he's doing it. And he looks back and Frog Lady's gone. Yep, yep. Frog Lady's gone. Um, and he, he also we see, so Frog Lady has left. Mando's working on the the hull of the ship. He's outside uh, yeah. of the ship, working on the outside of it. And we see Baby Yoda walk up to what appears to be. Well, it, well it, it, we're not we're not quite there yet, are we? Yeah, yeah we're not quite there yet. He's working on the ship. His objective here is just base minimum. He doesn't expect he's going to make the ship perfectly airworthy. He knows he can't seal the the main compartment. He just wants to be able to seal the cockpit, get the engines yes. functioning to any degree, so that he can get airborne. It's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be perfectly functional. But if he can at least get it in the air, he's hoping he can get it where it needs to go. So it's limited objectives. So it makes sense. Mando's not much of a mechanic. He's kind of making it up as he goes around, goes along right now. It looks like he's just patching it so that he can have a airtight one airtight compartment, which is yes. the cockpit. Frog Lady's gone. Him and Baby Yoda go to look for Frog Lady. Frog Lady, again, showing her intellect is able to find a hot spring in this cave and she takes her eggs out and uses the heat from the hot springs to to heat up the the eggs to keep them viable so she's not relying on the battery power from her container which which is a perfectly good call on her part the fact that these caves exist suggests either some degree of you know plate movement uh, activity or geothermal activity she bet on one and she found herself a hot spring to keep her eggs and herself alive a little bit longer because I'm guessing as a frog lady, this ice planet is not great for her either on a personal level. No, it's not. And she, you know, she's also in there um, and she's she's nude in it. I want to point that out. And the only reason I point it out is because later she is very careful about getting her her um, her clothes back and covering herself up in front of Mando. Now, <laughs> that might seem like a small point, but I, I think it's a it's an important point because it shows that she has some discretion and she has some pride about being nude. So it, it, it shows that her culture is probably closer to our culture than we would originally suspect, given that she's a frog. <laughs> we get a lot of moments here of where it may have been, it, you may have been able to early on just dismiss her as just some kind of weird animal species that didn't really have much, you know, humanoid characteristics or intelligence. We've gotten a lot real quickly says, no, no, no. Frog lady is smart. Frog lady is capable. Frog lady has culture and you need to respect her. But, but she's also a frog. As we get to see exactly. Her That's what's so great about it is that you have all of that evidence that she's like humanoid, quote, yep. humanoid. But she does not fall into the trap that a lot of Star Wars uh, creatures do, mm-hmm. 
which is just like basically a human with a costume on. Right. Because we get we get some things later where, it, you know, she really is a frog. Well, Mando says, look, this is great, but we need to get... I can't protect you here and work on the ship. I need to get you back to the ship. So he starts to collect the eggs. Frog Lady seems to understand what he's saying, or at least just gives up and starts to collect the eggs herself to put it back into the container. Baby Yoda wanders over to the corner of the cave... <laughs> Sees these little pod-looking things and says, hmm, what's that? Maybe I can eat it. Opens it up. Looks like there's a spider embryo in this this pod. Eats it. Bad move on Baby Yoda's part. Stirs the hive. Bad move on Baby Yoda's part because that seems to trigger a reaction from a lot, a lot of spiders that are in this cave, including we, we get ice, ice spiders big as hounds, Spencer. We finally get finally ice do. spiders big as hounds, <laughs> which I actually, when I did my notes that are now lost to time, mm-hmm. I actually went and grabbed the old Nan quote and I was going to hit you with it during the recap. But the ice spiders big as hounds, we get them. But we, that is not all, Spencer. We don't only get ice spiders big as hounds. We get an ice spider Big as a fucking X-wing. We, we, we get ice, but we get Shellob suddenly appears in a Star Wars setting in terms of the size of the ice spider that we nice get. Nice reference. <laughs> and it is, you know, chasing them down the halls in very rapid order. Yep, and we get a chase scene. <clears throat> and during the chase scene, um, Mando has Baby Yoda, and he's got the container. And Mando also is shooting. He's he's doing a lot here. He's got four hands uh, during the scene, and he's shooting the spiders as they're chasing. Flamethrower shooting, <clears throat> all kinds. Uses of things. a flame floater at one point, but a really, really, really cool detail happens during this, and that frog lady um, starts hopping like a frog to get more speed <laughs> as they're going, and it looks so realistic mm-hmm. how she just goes from running upright to all fours and hopping as a frog. It's a good transition, too, because um, Favreau is very determined to use a lot of puppeteering rather than CGI for, for a yes. lot of these scenes, and I like that. It's much more in keeping with the you know the original Star Wars and that kind of element of realism that CGI just really can't do in the same way, agree, characters interacting. Agree. 100%. Um, and I think it's a, it's a, it, it is an interesting transition to have her move from a person in presumably a costume with certain animatronics working on her to full-on frog flinging herself around the halls. It, like you said, it is a very interesting kind of visual moment to see her do that. She's leaping to get ahead rapidly ahead of Mando. Right. So while she does have some culture um, that that would that, that makes her very similar to humans, you know, things like not wanting to be naked in front of people or mm-hmm. really caring about her kids or, you know, really being able to uh, call upon somebody's honor or word mm-hmm. to spur them to action. She also is a frog, so pretty cool. Best of both worlds. Absolutely. So they get back to the ship, and Mando is still trying to shoot off these frogs, and he's or, spiders. Uh, sorry, <laughs> spiders. And he's doing a pretty good job of it, but they do eventually get into his ship as he's going, and so he's losing this battle. And right as it looks like, oh, well, right before that, um, a spider does drop on Baby Yoda's head. Mm. And Baby Yoda, very cute, is like short arms trying to get it and like cooing and angry. And we see a blaster shot take the spider off the top of Baby Yoda's head. I'm like, what the fuck is that? It is Frog Lady. Frog Lady <laughs> has, concealed gun. has grabbed a concealed gun and is now using it to protect Baby Yoda. Yeah. Obviously did not know Baby Yoda is trying to eat her children. Yeah, I actually believe that Frog Lady had this gun on her person for, like, personal yep. protection. This is the gun in her purse kind of moment. And I was not expecting her to have, but she's good with it, too. That's a nice shot she did. Mm-hmm. It's like two or three. Because yeah. there was, like, two or three spiders around. And she's she's protecting Baby Yoda. 
So shout out to Frog Lady. She's in the Circle of Trust. And as these, it looks like they're all is lost, that these spiders are just going to overrun this X-Wing. We hear blaster shots from outside. Um, the, the, the spider forces start to dwindle. We look outside and it looks like the New Republic X-Wings that had been chasing Mando did in fact find Mando in the cave. And they are clearing the spiders off the ship for him. Oh yeah, with both personal blaster file, they get out of their X-Wings to shoot, and also with proper X-Wing four lasers going. Cause they, yeah, they, which they had to do with that big, big, oh, huge one, yeah. Yeah, because the big, huge one has reappeared having, after Mando you know, blew it up a little bit and is now directly hammering through the cockpit that he's so carefully restored. Right. When I say overrun, I mean they're they're going to die. They are. Yeah. Mando is like you know weed whacker with a flamethrower trying to keep them out of the cockpit room, and he's briefly holding his own until Mama returns and they're dead. They are dead to rights if X wings don't show up. Now the only thing that makes me, I do wonder if the X wings hadn't showed up. I do think at some point Baby Yoda would have done something. I don't know if it would have been enough, but there there would have been a moment where Baby Yoda force flings at least a few of these off of him. Yeah. I don't know if it would have been enough. But anyway, the the X-Wings... Sorry, do you want to speculate on that before I go forward? No, I'm with you. I think the issue we'd run into is there are just too many. Baby Yoda clearly ha- is powerful, but he has a, like a limited battery that he can draw from. He might be able right. to throw Mommy around, but what's he going to do with the 500 babies that are still attacking? Yeah, I, I do think they would have eventually lost. But anyway, the, the New Republic... Um, uh, guards or, or pilots shoot off these these spiders off the hull of the ship. They clear out the mama spider. Mando comes outside, and basically they explain. I'm, I'm going to paraphrase here because I don't have my notes in front of me. Mm-hmm. Basically, they explain, "Hey, look, we should arrest you because you were part of a jailbreak to get a particular prisoner off that ship. And if you remember that that prisoner did get off the ship, mm-hmm. but." The security camera footage shows that you did your best to try to protect the New Republic guard that was manning the station. And you put multiple um, folks who did this prison break with you in in jail themselves. So, you know, you did bad, but you did good here. And this, I think, is an extremely important moment to show the difference in governing with the New Republic with the Empire. Because we have so many instances and examples, both in the movies and the books and in the the TV shows, of how the Republic governs. And the Republic governs with, you did bad thing, you pay for a bad thing. It's very simplistic. Mm -hmm. The the New Republic governing uh, approach is much more nuanced, where they say, yeah, you did a bad thing, but you did some good things too. And these are trying times, these are difficult times, and we're not going to take you in for busting out this prisoner, considering these other good things that you did. Right. So we're going to clear out these. And in the same vein, when you think about how how they're going to treat him, yeah, we're going to save your life because you did these good things. And because with the New Republican, that's what we do. We don't want people to die. So we're going to clear out these spiders. But you still did some fucked up stuff. So we're not going to fix your ship for you. So here's what you get. You get you get the clear out of the spiders. You get the you get the a okay. We're gonna leave you alone, but good luck with your ship. Yeah, and I like this this degree of nuance because it really reflects that the Republic is exerting its influence in the outer territories, and they could try to do that with an iron fist, but reasonably they couldn't. This is the kind of thing of where it wouldn't be fitting within their character that they're trying to establish different from the Empire, and also just wouldn't be within their resources. They kind of have to work within the existing parameters of where. You know, there's always a divide. There's always a confrontation between whether I be lawful or whether I be good. Ultimately, good is the only way you're going to be able to run run the outer rim. 
lawful requires too much. It's too much, too different from what they, from what they've ever had to deal with before. And so we're going to be willing to balance things out. The good and the bad they have to be weighed against each other. And we're going to decide that since you tried to protect, what was it, Davin? Was that the name of the lieutenant? I, think it was I guess that was the name, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you helped to catch, catch the guys that were aboard that ship, and they leave out, in my mind, the big lead. You also led our attack fleet to the base of the criminals, and we, which we also took out. Well, I don't know if they ever made the connection that Mando did that. I, I bet they I'm, wouldn't. They wouldn't know for sure that Mando was right. is the person who did that. See that that that's why I think it that it was smart. They left that detail out. Okay, I, I bet I'm betting they could probably connect two and two together. But I'm with you that it would be a bit of a leap in this particular moment that they could, that they could make that connection. Right. But to, as you said, they're willing to still say, "Hey, you know, we're police officers. We got things to do. Call AAA." They're also probably marking his transponder <laughs> with all the little glowy marks on it in their record, saying. If you see this man, pull him over and ask what he's been doing recently. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. But I, I do think he's basically gotten a clear ride um, to the, the, the tra- what Trask moon that he's, he's going to. <laughs> as much as he's able to get the, fl- get the ship flying, yes. Yeah, if he can get the ship flying, exactly. But they're not going to sit and waste resources, you know, trying to, to fix his ship. So that's the nuance there from the New Republic. I thought it was a very great detail and very well written. Mm. Mando then says, okay, well, uh, you know, it tells the frog lady, uh, basically we're going to have to cozy up in the cockpit here because that's the only thing that's going to be airtight and that's how we're going to get you to the planet uh that's all i remember from in way of the recap spencer is there anything else that happens toward the end of this episode i'm missing no that's pretty much it they're able to after presumably a little bit more patching up get airborne they agree to take a nap uh frog lady demonstrates that she started to get aware or is maybe always aware that baby yoda is a threat to her babies because baby yoda while they're about to go to sleep looks over at the eggs and frog lady stares daggers in him and just wraps it around herself she it holds it yeah she goes to sleep holding it so yeah baby yoda uh no such luck there not gonna be able to get the, the eggs in that moment and that is the end of the episode spencer i did half the recap with no notes how'd i do give me a grade you did very well i'm gonna give you a solid b plus you know i'm curious to see whether you can get through the quotes now without those notes but (laughs) i've got some recommendations that you can pick from that spoiler Uh, alert i cannot get through the quotes without my notes so i'm going to rely on you heavily i know you have the script in front of you spencer do you have any uh nominations for best line of the episode uh, I've got a few, I've got a couple um, early line from let's see here uh, no I met her ten minutes before you walked in I thought you said you vouched for her on your life what can I say I'm an excellent judge of character I liked that line because it really does accurately summarize another character uh, in terms of what Sedaris is doing and how she operates I also think it really accurately summarizes how we ultimately feel about Frog Lady <laughs> in terms of yeah spend five minutes with her you'll understand uh, line from Frog Lady I thought was very powerful. I thought honoring one's word was part of the Mandalorian code. I guess those are just stories for children. That's a powerful line. It reflects, again, how much Frog Lady is really in command of the situation. And it reflects, again, how much the code is important to Mando. The code is all. Code controls. If you challenge him on this fundamental belief system that he runs on, he's going to respond. And it works here. Um, the uh, line from the Republic Pilots about, you know, we should... Uh, we sh- you- you should be arrested, but these are trying times. Like you said, it reflects a different philosophy than the Republic's trying to do, and I like what that represents. And the final line from Mando I quite enjoyed as well. Hey, wake me up if someone shoots us, or that door gets sucked off its rails. The frog lady looks at him like, what the hell? It's like, eh, I'm kidding. If that happened, we'd all be dead. Sweet dreams. It reflects the just, it reflects an element of sense of humor, but also just the kind of devil-my-care philosophy that Mando employs. It's just that we've done the best we could, 
if it runs out of our control, we're dead. And we just have to be okay with that. If anything embodies the philosophy that Mando has, it's kind of that. I like it, Spencer. You've given us some good nominations. I am going to award Best Line of the Episode based on those nominations. Best Line of the Episode, Mandalorian. Episode 10, you should be arrested, but these are trying times. Yeah. I think, I think it's a good line. It's a good moment. It embodies how the New Republic is acting differently. And it, it frames them as being... I think Star Wars is a nasty habit of portraying the good guys as being utterly inept in how they go about going about their duties. Like, it's mm-hmm. an unfortunate thing in the lore, or uh, in some of the recent movies, of, like, framing the Jedi as just utterly incompetent, as just so lawful good that they can't even function. I didn't... I, prequels, I, I, prequels, prequels. Yeah, and I, I got annoyed by that. Because it's just like, these guys have been around for, you know, 20,000 years successfully. They're famous as negotiators and diplomats. Clearly, they can operate in a degree, or they maintain a code that has some degree of flexibility and can be flexible with the rules as necessary to do the good thing that they actually represent and embody. So I like moments in the Star Wars universe where we show the good guys not only doing the good thing, but also doing the reasonable and the fair thing, too. I appreciate that. Completely agree. All right, that's best line of the episode. Let's move to our last segment. Nostalgic moment of the episode. Spencer, not a lot of meat on the bone here this episode. Do you have anything? I got a few. I got a few uh, that I'm going to go with. Uh, one, if whatever an X-Wing shows up on screen, it's going to get a nostalgic nod. It's the most iconic vessel in all of Star Wars <laughs> yeah, for me. There you go. Even more than the Millennium Falcon in terms of just how important it is for me in terms of Star Wars representation. So that gets a moment. Uh, we're going to have a crossover nostalgic about the episode and that we finally got ice spiders as big as hounds. Ice Game spiders of- big as hounds. It's just for me, Star Wars for me. A general fandom perspective, the Game of Thrones uh, Song of Ice and Fire fandom is overjoyed that we finally got that. It is unforgivable that we did not finally get those in the last season. How, how great is it this episode gives us a Game of Thrones pseudo-reference and then a crossover with Appa from yes. <laughs> Gibbs Convenience. <laughs> we're, getting fandom, Lovely. we're getting fandom moments across the board. So Appa gets a nod too. It was so great to see that actor. He's so memorable in the role of Appa. I'm glad he's branching out here too seems great in this role i'm curious to see where he appears again but for me i think ultimately the nostalgic moment of the episode because it is such an important overarching symbolic iconic star wars line may the force be with you showing up here even if he doesn't understand the importance of it even if it is just you know a foreign greeting to him the fact that it appears the fact that he knows the fact that is the watchwords the new republic runs by is great and i love it i just i adore that we saw how important it was the rebel alliance we saw how much important it was the you know the rebuilding of the jedi order i like that it has become the watchword the new republic is built on that's just i that that has for me to be the nostalgic moment of the episode to see that line return yep i agree with you um ice spiders biggest hounds was a good one but may the force be with you <laughs> and and it, you know it's a it's a nostalgic moment of the episode but also an extremely interesting point part of the episode which we discussed uh, you know the fact that you know just the casual you know devil may care running your mill uh just trying to scrape by bounty hunter like mando would know that phrase uh, it, it tells a lot about the branding and marketing of the new republic uh, mm-hmm. in the five years post empire yeah and I, if i was picking this is this is meant to be star wars you know moment of nostalgia that one wins if i was picking this general fandom 
Ice Spiders might win, because dear God, how much did we want to see those in the last season of Game of Thrones, and we're spoiled that we didn't. Never got Ice Spiders, biggest hounds. We got it here in The Mandalorian, Spencer. I have enjoyed reviewing season two with you, even though I did lose part of my notes. I think we were able to limp through it. And I think if I'm going to lose notes um, for an episode, this is probably a good one, because there was a lot of action in this episode, Mm -hmm. and not an awful lot of of dialogue or plot progression. Mm -hmm. Now, where would this episode rank for you in terms of overall final opinion on it? But expressed where I'm at. I'm curious for you. So I, I have liked every I have liked every single episode of the show. So every single episode of the show to me is good or great. It's mm. in somewhere in there. I would put this more toward good. It was not. It's not memorable to me. Mm-hmm. It's perfectly enjoyable. Thirty five minutes of television, but it, I, I was certainly would not put this up. Um, for like an Emmy or uh, if I was trying to get somebody into the show, I, I would not lead with this episode at all. No, I agree. I mean, I think in, in the terms of the 10 episodes we've had so far, I think this would probably rank in the bottom three, but that doesn't mean it's a bad episode. It's perfectly solid. Main issue I have with it is some aspects of forced plot to get, to get us where we needed to be. Right. But, and otherwise I'm always the kind of fan that I don't mind transition episodes. I don't mind episodes that build the lore, build the universe rather than move forward with the plot. But this one doesn't really even necessarily do that much. We get right. little tidbits that you and I have seized on as we've been going through the recap, but mostly it's action-focused, and I'm happy we don't get too many of those. I, I think the other episodes and the other words that explore new worlds or give us you know, a further exploration of where we're going with the ultimate story are much more interesting to me than these, even if it was still a solid way of spending time. Exactly. Yeah, I think we're on the same page there. Uh, but anyway, uh, regardless of where this episode does rank uh, in the tip, 10 episodes of Mandalorian so far, I did enjoy going through it and doing the pod with you, Spencer. Anything else you want to talk about about this episode or the Mangum Talks uh, podcast channel in general before we wrap up? Uh, having watched the next episode we're going to talk about, I am excited to talk about it with you because, good Lord, does it have some fun moments to discuss. I am too. Let's do it soon, though, Spencer, so we can catch up before the end of the season. I have enjoyed this. This is Mangum Talks TV, and this is our coverage of Mandalorian. Until next time, everybody. See you.